Here I am, Curtis Sliwa, in the flesh to all of you. As you know, I've been broadcasting and talk radio, mostly on WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, for 34 years. Plus, I have the street cred and having traveled all over the world. In fact, imagine me, like Tattoo, saying, it's a plane, it's a plane, it's a plane. And Ricardo Montebaum welcoming you, not into Fantasy Island, but into Curtis Sliwa's world, where I've taken planes, trains, I've pounded the Greyhound, I've hitchhiked, and I've walked almost all over the world in setting up Guardian Angel chapters in 13 countries and 130 cities. So I bring a whole wealth of information to all of you. And on every given day, I'm going to be commenting, I'm going to be riffing on what is trending out there, whether it's taking you from the suites to the streets, exclusively on WABC and exclusively with a guy who almost became mayor of New York City this last time around. Hey, just remember, you should be wearing a button says, I voted for Sliwa. Don't blame me. That's right, against Eric Adams. So stay tuned. Video, audio like you've never seen before on 770 AM WABC. Oh, did you see it? Rangers win! Rangers win! Finals of the Stanley Cup. Oh, my God. They beat Carolina. It was not expected because, remember, Carolina down there in Charlotte, they had won the last seven of their postseason games at home. So you figure the over-under point spread, even though the Rangers have come back extraordinarily well in their home game, game six in Madison Square Garden, they were in the middle of that hurricane. They were chasing storms. 6-2 they won because they were like constantly wasps around the wasp nest. So that means who do they take on? The Tampa Lightning. I say to myself, oh, I mean, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, they won the last two Stanley Cups. The Rangers are surging right now. And I'm saying to myself, think about all those naysayers out there who thought the Rangers couldn't beat Carolina. How many ex-New Yorkers and folks from New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut have fled to North Carolina? The number two state chosen by those who go on their exodus. Florida first. North Carolina second. Your loyalties may have been to the Long Island Islanders, right? Or it could have been the Rangers. Could have been the uh, Jersey Devils. Could have been the Philadelphia Flyers. Doesn't matter. Now all of a sudden you're reborn, rebirthed. Carolina fans of, of, of Charlotte, right? <laughs> Come on, you know those who are south in the Mason-Dixon line who still fly the rebel flag, the flag of treason, the stars and bars. You know they never accepted hockey. These are all these snowbirds that are coming down and some from Canada. So now you have a momentous occasion, a potential Stanley Cup, right, that could be held high. Please don't let Jimmy Dolan touch it. I hate him. I loathe him. I despise him. A guy was born on third base. Can't chew gum and think at the same time. Owner and operator of the Rangers and Knicks, Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall. He deserves none of that, but he might get a cup. Now, all these newborn Ranger fans, I saw him. What was it? Entering Central Park for Game 7, half in the bag, hipsters and millennials for the most part, probably listening to what, the Mumford Sons, you know, that was their anthem, the hipster millennial anthem. They all had throwback Lundquist uh, uh, jerseys on. Lundquist, wait a second, that's the Swedish guy. He's not with them anymore. Who's the goalie now? Igor from Russia. 
Has anybody in this vast press corps of the fourth estate, New York City, given him the litmus test ever since Putin invaded Zelensky land, which is the Ukraine? No, no, no. No one has asked Igor, who are your loyalties with? Are your loyalties with Putin? Are they with the United States? Are they with Zelensky in the Ukraine? No, because everybody wants to protect Igor because he's been in the goal. He may get him a Stanley Cup. How many... Soviet slash Russian hockey players are playing now in the NHL. I guess about 25, maybe more. Be honest, when I was a kid, it made it so easy to follow the NHL. It was six teams, two of them in Canada. You had Montreal, right? Oh, Montreal Canadiens, the flying Frenchman. Who was it? Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur. They were like the New York Yankees of hockey. 24 Stanley Cups they're having one one in a month of Sundays. They think 30 years. Then you had the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then you had, oh, the Chicago Blackhawks, Bobby Hall, Stan Makita. Then you had Gordie Howe with the Detroit Red Wings. Then you had the Boston Bruins. Bobby Orr, he was the only defenseman ever to take it from one end to the other end. And then you have my beloved New York Rangers. Unfortunately, they were with baseman Bertha. Their coach, Emil Francis, the cat. Who was in goal? Ed Jockman. Who were the defensemen? There was the chief, Jim Nielsen. He was native Indian. Harry Howell, the silverhead one. He was the captain. And then, of course, there was the great Broadway blues line. My favorite, Schubert, Retellet Center, Hatfield. And they were in last place. It was easy to remember back then. Think about it. You had six teams, two of them in Canada, Almost all the players were Canadian, some Americans, none European. Now you got more teams playing than I've got fingers and toes. Names of some of these players from East Europe, uh, from parts unknown, I can't even pronounce their multisyllabic. And I'm expected to follow hockey. Well, obviously, I've been revived. The Rangers might win the cup. But if it's up to Esposito, do you remember Esposito? I remember him well. He was a nemesis of the Rangers. First with the Chicago Blackhawks. All he did was score goals, played no defense. Then he was with the Boston Bruins. Scored goals, played no defense. And then he became what? Coach, general manager, owner-operator of the Tampa Lightning? I mean, fans don't even support the Tampa baseball team. Don't. They support... Hockey in Tampa, in Florida? Come on, it's got to be all those Canadians. You know, they fly their maple leaf flags when they retire there. They play shuffleboard all day. They push the Americans off the shuffleboard courts. They're there for the Bluebird special, 4 o'clock every day before they got to catch a few seats. Somehow, someway, when you tell me that a team that might win the Stanley Cup three times in a row is in Tampa, Florida, I say you must be in a drug-induced psychosis. This is not the NHL that I knew growing up in the 60s and early 70s. Just think, I want to end on this note. For all of you who have gotten ripped off with Ranger tickets over the years, and certainly you have, you've had to take reverse uh, mortgages, payday loans. When I was a kid, junior high school, I had a student government organization card. I could go see the Rangers lose on Saturday afternoons in the old Madison Square Garden, 50th and 8th.
Then after the loss, we'd walk around Midtown. We didn't have to worry about getting shot, stabbed, mugged, and yoked by an emotionally disturbed person or a gangbanger. Then we come back at night, same time, same place, the old Madison Square Garden. They put the hardwood down, covering the ice. And for another buck, buck fifty, we got a chance to see the New York Knicks on the same day. They were horrible, too, down there with Baseman Bertha, playing the San Francisco Warriors, which had Will Chamberlain, the center, Nate Thurman, almost as tall as forward, and they were losers, too. I mean, those were the days. So to try to get me all ginned up and jacked up about the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup, nah, last time, Messier, right? Rudy Giuliani was mayor. The comeback of the Rangers, you got me then. But you won't ever get me in the future. The Memorial Day weekend, where we honor our war dead. It's not happy Memorial Day. I know some of you said that. It's a solemn occasion. Unfortunately, another solemn occasion for the many who got shot and some who died over this Memorial Day weekend as the carnage and the crime and the violence continues unchecked, unabated. Now, is it comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from uh, Park Slope? Nah, he's no longer in office. For eight years, we had high crime. And then we had a recent mayoral contest. Remember, it was me versus Eric Adams. Oh, they said it's a slam dunk for Eric Adams, former captain, police department, 22 years service, NYPD. He knows all about how to police the city. And I said, hey, don't believe the hype. Oh, Curtis, you were just a vigilante, head of the Guardian Angels uh, for since 1979. You're now in 13 countries, 130 cities. You might be co considered an expert there, but Eric knows more about you. So you made your choice, and that's why a lot of people now are saying suddenly, don't blame me, I voted for Curtis. At least they did in all the Memorial Day uh, parades that I attended this past weekend. But while all of that was transpiring, more crime. And boy, out of all the bad crimes being committed here in the city, this was a horror, a shanda. A brother who is a TSA officer, worked many, many years, earning his money, living there in East Flatbush, which is a war zone now, not far from where I grew up in Canarsie on the other side of Linda Boulevard. He had to go to the store. He had to make a run to a local grocery store slash bodega about 12 midnight. He's on the phone with his sister. And then all of a sudden, bullets are fired. She hears the shots being fired. One shot, two shots, three shots, all of them hitting him. He was not the intended person that was to be shot. Another innocent victim in a slew of in innocent victims in Fear City, USA, New York City. And he hits the floor and he's bleeding out and there's no hope for him. And... The wailing of his sister as she calls out to her brother, please, what, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And a stranger picks up the phone. It's almost like a scene out of Goodfellas. Remember when De Niro is going into the pay telephone booth to see if Pesci has become a made man, the dream, and said, hey, how did it go? And the guy on the other end said, there's nothing you can do. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's gone. And he was gone. And now think about that. This is happening each and every day. A day like today, the uh, person working for Goldmine Sachs, who two Sundays ago was on a Q train going over the Manhattan Bridge at 1130 in the morning to have brunch with his friend. 
and some crazed maniac named Abdullah Abdullah, whatever the hell that gangbanger's name uh, was, took a gun out, blew him away, no reason, told everyone else, put your cell phones away, you're getting off the next stop, that was Canal Street. And that's just one of many. And then we have the continuation. Did you see that video involving this other maniac who was coming over on the J train over the Williamsburg Bridge as the train stops at Delancey Street in Texas, which is a connection to the F train? He is threatening people in his car, grown men, six feet. 220 pounds of muscle just coming from the gym, all of a sudden shaking. Oh, I'm so afraid. I can't escape. Hey, you look down your trousers and see if you have cocktail onions, if they shrunk because they left a woman. And as she attempted to get up and move away from this maniac, you may have seen, oh my God, same thing. She's being grabbed by the hair by the maniac who's saying over and over again, I'm going to kill you. And she's begging everybody, please help me, please help me, please help me, he's going to kill me. And they did nothing. By the way, that guy's on the loose. The guy who shot and killed the Goldman Sachs worker, he's in custody, but now all of a sudden he's claiming he had temporary amnesia, according to his legal aid lawyers. He remembers nothing. And now we have these enemies of society who are roaming about somewhere in East Flatbush, who shot and killed this TSA worker for many years, who was on his phone, on his celly, talking to his sister because he was making a late-night run to the grocery-slash-bodega and gets cut down in a hail of bullets. And anybody? Anybody see anything? When the DTs came over there from Brooklyn South, anybody see anything? Nope, nope, no, I didn't see nothing. What? Gunshots? No, no, are you kidding? The code of the streets kicked in. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And the likelihood is if arrests are ever made, Eric Gonzalez is the DA of the biggest county in the five boroughs of the city of New York, Kings County, and he'll end up cutting them loose because there's no bail provisions. You do the crime, you don't do the time. So unfortunately, another tragedy in a layer of tragedies in Fear City, USA, where there's more crime now under Eric Adams, the swagger man who has no plan, than there ever was under Bill de Blasio. And you say to yourself, how could that be? And what do we say to this guy's family? Imagine going to the grocery store at night, TSA officer risking his life for all of us, and get shut, cut down in a hail of bullets, in which nobody saw nothing. Oh, look at it. <laughs> well, Mr. Goss, what's craziness at the Louvre? This guy pretending to be an elderly woman in a wheelchair. He wins an Academy Award because he was really a guy, and he wasn't a transgender and hadn't figured out that his gender was different than it was the day before. No, it was all acting. He was a thespian. Supposedly, the cause was uh, to promote a green plan uh, to decry global warming and climate change. And I'd say, there's nothing wrong with that. But the methodology here, I mean, this guy's clearly, uh, clearly a screwball and a crackpot. You see them they're leading him away. Look how he just pow, wow, pow. It's like he was throwing a pie in the face of the Mona Lisa. And now that brings us back to the Mona Lisa itself. Why is this painting so world-renowned? Look. People travel all over the world to come to see the Mona Lisa. It's in the Louvre. 
it was a present from the King of France to this great museum that has paintings from around the world. But this painting has special significance. First off, can you believe it or not, a simple painting like that, a simple painting like that, how much do you think it goes for now if all of a sudden it was auctioned off? $900 million, $900 million for that painting. Not a very complicated painting, right? It's a woman who's taken her smile and turned it upside down into a frown. Now let's example, let's study what Leonardo da Vinci created over four years in Florence. Boy, this guy must have been like one brush every day. Four years to paint that? That's what they tell us according to history. Leonardo da Vinci in Florence. Four years to create the Mona Lisa. I want you to look at the Mona Lisa. She has no eyebrows. She's sort of like modern-day gals that I've seen. They shaved their eyebrows and they put mascara on. Back then, they had no mascara. Maybe they would have had some coal and put it over there. How, how ridiculous. No eyebrows. Ah, you see, you didn't even detect that. I did. No mustache like a lot of women had at that time because there was no electrolysis, especially coming from Italy. Oh, a lot of mustaches there on women. That's number two. And number three... Why isn't she smiling? Why does she have that smile turned upside down into a frown? Well, a lot of women and men back then, at the time of Leonardo da Vinci, they didn't have any teeth. It, it, the theory is she had no teeth because they had to all be pulled. Even young men, young women in their 20s and 30s, because they only lived to be about 38 years old, 40 years old at that time because of getting ravaged by the Black Plague, other diseases. They didn't live as long as we live now. They had no pharmaceutical products. So a lot of people had teeth that rotted out or had to be pulled out. And the thought is, like a lot of women of that era, a lot of men of that era, that she had her teeth removed. So that's why she didn't smile. And yet, think about it now. That painting back then, the Mona Lisa, look right behind me there, probably wouldn't have fetched $90 in today's marketplace is now worth $900 million. But let's go back to the screwball and crackpot who decided he's going to make world international headlines by assaulting the Mona Lisa painting at the Louvre with what could easily have been a cream pie. Sort of like what Soupy Sales did years ago. If you ever watched Soupy Sales, I know some of you weren't even birthed, but baby boomers like me grew up with Soupy Sales where all of a sudden, Boom, there'd be a cream pie in your face. And he got a lot of belly laughs. And then if you were around during that era that I was in the 60s, early 70s, the anti-war era, we were taught don't trust anybody over 30. So you had the hipsters who were the class characters of mayhem in the streets. They had street theater. And they were led by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. And what they would do is they would go up to the financiers of the world, the millionaires, the billionaires, the leaders, like, let's say, in this case, Macron in France. And they would slap him with a cream pie in his face, and then they'd run off trying to avoid the gendarme. So I don't get why you attacked the Mona Lisa other than to get massive attention. I don't think that enhances your attempt to get everybody to focus on climate change and global warming. And quite frankly, if I were them, I would take this guy who pretended to be an elderly woman in a wheelchair and try to figure out if all the furniture was upstairs or rearranged in the wrong rooms. Oh, 
Woe is me. It's me. Woe is me. I see the headline today. We're losing the war against the rats. The rats. The rats. <laughs> uh, I remember growing up in the 60s when we had no rats. I'm talking two-legged rats because members of organized crime would swear the code of old and they'd say, we're not ratting anyone out. We're not eating the Parmesan cheese. And then my colleague came along, Rudy Giuliani. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District. And he threatened the underlings of organized crime and said, hey, 20 years to life. You cooperate, guess what? We get him on a RICO act. Rico Petroselli used to play shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, came out of Lafayette High School. No. The RICO Act, which meant they're just as guilty as you are, even though you're the shooter, you're the button man, because they were aware of it. So it's as if they pulled the trigger themselves. But we need you to testify, and we're going to protect you. You get to be in the witness protection program. And pretty soon you're in Laramie, Wyoming, or you're in Butte, Montana, and you're serving up Slurpees behind a 7-Eleven. You're anonymous. They can't get you any longer. So we had plenty of rats as a result of Rudy Giuliani's prosecution of the five heads of organized crime. And boy, there was a lot of Parmesan cheese that they were eating. But we've always been at war with the four-legged rats, just like this. They're the Norwegian rats. No, and I know they may have come over with... Uh, uh, Eric the Red and Leif Erikson, you know, on those first boats that came to, uh, what was that, Greenland and then Newfoundland and the uh, uh, New Brunswick and Halifax, at least that's what the Norwegians say. The first rats to come over were from Norway, the dreaded Norwegian rats, and they brought with them from Europe the Black Plague. So people were terrified of the four-legged rats. Then all of a sudden they had other rats who came over and proliferated. And especially in urban areas, the average, for instance, in New York City, they estimate that there are six, count them, six rats for every one citizen. And since it's like eight million citizens, we add in the illegal aliens, that's about eight and a half million. That would mean times that by six. Now, I'm not all that good in math. I never was in elementary school, junior high school, high school. But I think that would put us at about 50 million four-legged rats. So what have they done? to put a war on rats. Remember, we had a war on drugs, a war on crack, and a continued war on rats, the four-legged types, the four-legged types. So first they tried pesticides from Dow Chemical. Dow Chemical from where? Delaware, the tax shelter. So that major Fortune 500 company got enriched with our tax dollars. And so all of a sudden they started spraying pesticides in the air, everywhere, in the rat tunnels. And it killed some of the rats, but other rats became super rats because they became immune to the Dow Chemicals and other chemicals that were supposed to eradicate them. How many times have you seen posters put up in the subways or the streets or on a tree in a park and it has the skull and crossbones that says, beware, rat poison. How bad is that? Little babies playing the dirt, children playing the dirt. They end up ingesting that poison. Birds ingest that poison. They drop right out of the trees. Other animals eat that poison. And it's a horrible death because it implodes their insides and they're tortured and suffered. A horrible death for about 72 hours. Meantime, the rats become super rats and they get immune to it. So then we had a guy named Eric Adams. I know he's the mayor now, the swagger man. Never had a plan for rats when he was Brooklyn Borough president. Has no plan now. In fact, 
He had a demonstration when he was Brooklyn Borough president in Brooklyn Borough Hall. He had all these live rats, city rats that they had gathered up in Prospect Park. And he had a tank of water. And his plan to eradicate the rat problem, he drowned the rats in the water for all to see. He seemed to have a vicarious thrill out of that, a bit of a sadist, uh, if you ask me. But that's not the answer either. What, are you going to fill up all the rat holes with water and hope they drown? They won't. Because guess what? If you've ever been over to the Hudson River or the East River or the Harlem River, you notice, you know what rats are able to do? Swim. Starting with the Norwegian rats. Now, they didn't swim all the way here from Norway, but they can do the backstroke. They can do the Australian crawl. They can swim, you schmuck, you putz, Adam. And that's what he wants to do again. Then the third measure that they use is dry ice. So you have all of these individuals out here who think that they can win the war. Sort of like, remember, who was that uh, actor? They used to have a continued battle against the groundhog. I can't say his name now because, remember, Me Too has eradicated him. No more movies, no more TV appearances for him. But you know who I'm talking about. So the idea here is to, to dry ice in all the holes that they live and operate in and have multiple, I mean, multiple tribes of rats. Every month, a female rat can get pregnant and give birth every month. So you'd imagine how many rats. The dry ice doesn't work. You know what works? It's the oldest way to eliminate and keep down the rat problem, cats. Because rats smell cats and if they happen to have Babies they're carrying as a female rat, they will instantly abort them. Yes, they're terrified of cats because they can smell the cat. The cats are predators of rats. Rats are nocturnal. Cats are nocturnal. So when the cats are up scurrying around, the rats are at play. Most of us are at sleep. We have no idea what goes on. But notice the bodega cat, right? The old standing bodega cat. You own a bodega store, you have one cat, you have no rat problems. Who eliminated that? In their infinite non-wisdom, the New York City Department of Health said you cannot have a cat in a store. So they eliminated the bodega cat. And now you have this proliferation of rats. Whereas you could have cat colonies of feral cats on the outside, there were always uh, people who were willing to take care of them, not at taxpayers' expense. So that's the outdoor cats. They can never be domesticated. Then you have all the cats who are in shelters who, after 72 hours, if they're not claimed, get executed, get destroyed. Those domestic cats can be used in apartment buildings, supermarkets, bodegas, places of business, houses of worship, where, whichever is having a rat problem. And that will be a deterrent to rat at no cost to the taxpayers. Now, how can something that simple, having that much common sense, be able to work in New York City that has a growing rat problem? Because our officials at City Hall never use common sense. They want to spend more money. We end up having more rats. They end up creating an immunity for rats against poisons. People get poisoned anyway. And dry ice and drowning rats, trust me, the cat man doesn't work. Cats everywhere, we will have less rats. And that's what you get from Curtis Lieber. From the sweets to the streets, a common sense approach to what seemed to be overwhelming problems of the day, locally, regionally, throughout America, and naturally globally. <laughs>